Hey there, thanks for joining me for episode 157 of the Dealer Playbook Podcast, a podcast for those who want to take their career in automotive to the next level. I'm Michael Cirillo, your host, and this week, I'm actually going to do something a little different. Uh, if you're new to the show, I usually uh, interview others, subject matter leaders with from within and without the automotive industry, but this week, uh, a little bit different. Uh, it, it might land, it might bomb, either way. The marketer in me is curious, and I must find an answer. I was recently interviewed by Bill Zedites on the Auto Remarketing Podcast and thought, you know what? It'd be kind of cool if we posted it here as well. Bill and I, uh, we caught up with one another at NADA 2019 and took the opportunity to pump out some content. Now, if you're attending Auto Remarketing Canada's event on March 19th and 20th, the pleasure is absolutely mine to be one of the speakers of that event, so I would love to meet you there. Also, for dealers who want to attend, and maybe, maybe you're on the fence, I don't know, send me a DM to get a free VIP registration so that you can attend on me. Now, not, not on me physically, like literally, but the tab on me. Anyway, here we go. Welcome back in, everybody, to another uh, auto remarketing podcast. Uh, my name is Bill Zedites, and we're uh, coming to you from the NADA convention in San Francisco. A lot of great uh, products, services, and people uh, at this year's event, and uh, just a lot of energy around uh, what's happening in the uh, in the automotive industry. And um, as part of our podcast series, uh, one of the things that we uh, are aiming to do is to bring you the voices and uh, the knowledge of uh, of key people in the industry. And uh, we're really happy today to have a Michael Cirillo. Uh, many of you will recognize Michael's name. He is the host of the very popular Dealer Playbook podcast and uh, really, really happy to have Michael on board as well for Auto Remarketing Canada uh, coming back uh, to Toronto uh, March 19th and 20th. And, and Michael is uh, going to be a part of that uh, event. He's uh, actually a part of what we, a uh, new segment uh, that we've developed for Auto Remarketing Canada called the uh, Dealer Training Tuesday. And uh, so we're excited about the content and, and know it's going to be valuable for dealers and, and the industry as a whole, not just specifically to the franchise and independent bodies. So Michael, uh, uh, good afternoon. Welcome. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Hey, man. Pleasure to meet you as well. Thanks for uh, thanks for sitting down. Great to meet you in person. And I was just noticing your watch. <laughs> man, that is an, what is that? Tell, first of all, it, it, it looks it looks more impressive than it is. I can tell you that. Like many things about me, I can tell you that. <laughs> I was like, does he ride bikes? Is this a Harley <laughs> thing? Is that beautiful? Anyways, yeah. Pleasure to meet you, man. You're a watch guy. I can tell. I mean, you, you've got yeah. I'm a bit of a bit of a watch guy. Not not too much. This is kind of the be all end all. My Samsung because it counts my steps. I like it. <laughs> right. Get some steps this week in San Fran. Right, right. That's right. Totally. Yeah. Well, have you had a chance to enjoy yourself while you're out here, or has it all been business? Uh, it's it's typically all business when I come to NADA, but it's so great to meet new faces such as yourself and get to shake hands and connect. And uh, no, it's been a great show. Been yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Glad, glad to hear it. As I said, uh, you know, many of you uh, will recognize uh, Michael's name, uh, the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Uh, tremendous uh, explosion in the popularity of that podcast, Michael, and and certainly you will recognize his voice uh, as you've uh, listened to that over time. Tell us a little bit, Michael, how the Dealer Playbook Podcast 
podcast got started because I know you you have an, another business as well that, that kind of helped generate the idea and uh, it, it certainly has taken off. So congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, you, you know, it, it, it's fun. I uh, A lot of people don't know that my first career was in the music industry. I'm a sound engineer by trade. You're an A1? Uh, uh, yep, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And, um, you know, and I did everything in the studio from mixing, mastering to cutting up apples for the band, you know, like it was just doing the runner's job. Um, and so my first love was always music and production and things of that nature. And I always wanted to find a way that I could marry those two. And so when the idea of a podcast came, uh, actually prior to the Dealer Playbook, in I want to say 2011, I hosted probably 12 episodes of the Dealer Success Network, and nice. and then nice. you know things took off with the agency, and I was a one-man you know band trying to produce the podcast, and it fizzled from there. But it, it would always just kind of lingered in the back of my mind, like how we, we we need to do this. I've tried to eradicate from my being so hard the desire to help others, and I just can't. <laughs> And so I felt like the podcast would be a, a cool way this day and age to, to get a message out. One that's positive, Absolutely. one that's helpful, one that can bring everybody into the same conversation, hearing the same information so that it's not, you know, the game of telephone. And to just say, hey, how can we, how can we improve and better the industry, those within it, to enrich and empower their lives? And so that's really been the mission of the DPB. And uh, and uh, it's fun. It's been yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, again, congratulations on the success with it. I, I, I think that in hearing your answer uh, to, to that question, it, it really resonates with me that in, in some ways we're in the same boat with that. You know, we uh, we're really excited again uh, to, to have Michael joining us in March for Auto Remarketing Canada, Canada's used car conference. And and Michael, I know that you don't may not have the uh, the, the full session notes uh, put together, but I know you've thought about it somewhat in terms of what you might be bringing to uh, to this audience uh, in March. Can you share with us a little bit of what you're thinking about? And uh, would love to kind of tease that out a little bit because uh, we certainly want uh, the dealers uh, listening to this podcast and to the, the dealer playbook as well um, to come out and, uh, and and have an opportunity to learn more, meet some new people, and improve their pre-owned operations. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I've been toying with some ideas, and I, I think what, what excites me the most is um, sharing some ideas about how dealers can future-proof their business model, especially with the impending doom of the self-driving car and you know uh, technologies like Carvana and the vending machine and autonomous vehicles and all these sorts of things, um, to tariffs and government legislation. How do we navigate all of this? And so I want to I want to just dive deep into very practical ways that dealers can fortify their business in a way that meets consumer demands, in a way that's scalable, and in a way that demystifies I think a lot of the buzzwords and buzz topics like you know disruption and AI and all of these different types of things and just kind of dig into that a little bit to, to show dealers, hey, here's what you could do. Here's some actions you can take every day that will help you grow and scale regardless of all of these circumstances, right? Well, part of that, I think when we begin to kind of map out 
content and speakers and, and interest levels and those types of things with the event. One of the things that we always try to keep in mind is that the used car industry is relatively, uh, it's, it's a small industry, but it's also a very large industry. So you have different needs. Uh, the Scotia has a different need from a large franchise dealer group, has a different need from the independent dealer uh, in Canada. And I know you have quite a bit of experience with, with all of those segments of the industry, but especially from the independent dealer side, the franchise dealer side. Tell us, uh, I, I know this isn't, uh, the dealer playbook isn't the only thing that you do, but um, tell us a little bit about the, the company uh, that, uh, that you're running now as well that, uh, that is designed and created really to, to come alongside and help other dealers uh, get better at, uh, at selling more cars. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so Flex Dealer is is a company we started back in, uh, you know, 1998. Yeah. And it actually stemmed from our family business, which was a car magazine called Auto RV World. And we published a bi-weekly magazine that had everything in it from autos to marine to power sports and all those sorts of things. And then with the internet boom, um, we we kind of followed suit and we noticed the trend and, and made some transitions and set up our infrastructure in a way that we could naturally evolve into a digital agency um, uh, and so what we do is we're we're kind of the cleanup crew in that we've had 20 to 25 years of compounding perhaps poor decisions decisions made by somebody who turned over who's no longer there um, web tech not being set up properly and so there's kind of two sides to the business there's our martech side our marketing technology side where we develop we've developed our own cms our own uh, website technology and inventory services uh, but then there's the agency side which excites me more because i know that technology alone is not a differentiator there's nothing different from a, you know a $2,500 website to a $499 website, and I would argue, if, especially if you look at companies like Squarespace, who are ever much more larger than what we see in our industry, who are selling $26 a month websites, who have every bit of technology and infrastructure that we have in this industry. Um, so so the, the agency side actually excites me a little bit more because you get to see the twinkle in people's eyes when they go, ah, I get it. I did that, and it works. I, we, we conversion optimized this and realized that it didn't ma- we didn't need to switch websites, and we could, we, we could just stay, and we didn't have to deal with that headache. Absolutely. And so, you know, we do a lot of, of work on everybody's platforms, but we also have our own platform that if clients want to look at, they can look at and, and work on that. And so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Once again, you're listening to the voice of uh, Michael Cirillo. Michael is the host of the, the very popular Dealer Playbook podcast and also uh, runs FlexDrive and does a great job with that and uh, helping dealers get better at selling more, uh, more vehicles, new and used from that side. We're excited to have Michael again uh, at the Auto Remarketing Canada Conference, uh, Canada's Used Car Conference, coming up March 19th and 20th. Uh, Michael will be on stage on uh, part of our Dealer Training Tuesday on March 19th. And uh, I hope you'll uh, take a moment to, to check the website, arcanada.autoremarketing.com, and, and sign up. And uh, Michael, hopefully uh, some of your uh, listeners will have a chance to come. We're going to arm you with some VIP invitations uh, to have those guys come out and, and uh, guys and gals come out and, and uh, be a part of that event. But um, again, thank you for, for the time. And uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to seeing you in March. And uh, I know it's going to be a great, uh, great presentation. 
Bill, man, any time for you, seriously. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Great to meet you. I'm looking forward to the event. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I just love what you guys are doing with, with this and just spreading a positive message and helping dealers um, you know, with, with practical things that are going to help them day in and day out. All right, there you go. That was my interview on the Auto Remarketing Podcast hosted by Bill Zadites. Now, I said something during that interview that I want to dig into a little bit deeper right now. I said something about conversion optimization or conversion rate optimization. And I'm telling you, that might be the biggest missing link to the success of any website. I know, especially in the retail auto or RV power sports industries, we've been sold a bill of goods for way too long that by merely switching websites, you'll get more. Wait for it. What's what's the tagline? I, I know we've all heard it. You're going to get more traffic, leads, and sales. Now, admittedly, as a website provider, back in the day, I admit I I followed the bandwagon there for a while. But then I realized that, hold on a second, just having a website is not going to make the difference or just switching websites is not going to make the difference. And by now, you should know that that's simply not the case. The other day, I heard a dealer say that by switching their website provider from, you know, provider A to provider B, you ready? Their leads tripled overnight. Auto industry, gang, DPB gang, you know, I love you. And that's why I need to say this, that 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 is the most cockamamie, that that is the most foolish thing. I think I've ever heard as it pertains to websites and website technology. There's something you should know when you switch your website to a different provider. So say you're thinking about it right now. And and now keep in mind, okay, disclaimer A here, disclaimer number one on, on, epi- on this episode. I'm not factoring in poor service or you're just not getting along or you're not great. I mean, there's so many different variables. I'm talking specifically about website performance here. There's something you should know, okay? When you switch your website to a different platform or to a different provider, ultimately, you will see a dip in traffic because Google and other search engines, they're trying to understand the changes that you've made. You've basically shocked the system. Indexing is going to be thrown off. You're going to see terms that you were ranking for all of a sudden drop off, and that's to be expected. There's a reason, okay? Your new website will likely not be an exact replicate of the previous one, the one that you're switching from. Your new provider has their philosophy on URL structure, essential page content, page layouts, SEO settings, structured data, or the lack thereof. And with the new site come new tags, markup, code, like all of this is going to have an impact on so many different variables including site speed and and all of the things that I've just mentioned. So when the switch first happens, you will decline. So please account for that. Please understand that. But what does that have to do with conversion optimization? Well, it's the one thing that your website provider isn't doing, really, just being truthful. They've loaded themselves up with SEO specialists and PPC specialists and developers and designers, but have forgone conversion rate optimization specialists. Why? Well, CROS's conversion rate optimization specialists, they're kind of the behind the scenes 
they're, they're like the dude from the, the what's the movie office space like he's kind of shoved into the closet and it's because we're a bunch of like super nerds we love looking at data we love analyzing data we love making uh conclusions about data we love testing uh i mean even heck at the beginning of this episode i said you know i need I, i'm gonna test something here i need to know the answer right um so so they've forgotten these these conversion rate optimization specialists. They've received the Google and the Facebook accolades and host fancy get-togethers and show off their premier partnerships and all that kind of stuff. All of this to suggest that their massive growth and acclaim means that they're doing a bang-up job for their clients. So why is it then? Why aren't we asking these questions? Why is it then that as an industry, we're stuck in the perpetual downward spiral of it works for some and uh, it just doesn't work for others. Why does provider A seem to knock it out of the park for one dealer, but the exact iteration for another is a complete dumpster fire? I said this during my interview with Bill, and I'm going to reiterate here. This is very crucial to understand, especially in 2019. Technology alone is not the differentiator. And we've kind of been led to believe that it is. By merely having a website, by provider A or provider B or C or the 200 other options does not mean you will magically get more traffic leads and sales. Think about it. WordPress powers something like, oh, don't, fa- don't fact check me on this, but it's high. It's like 70% of all websites on the web. Okay. WordPress powers so many majority of the world's websites. On that premise, if technology was a true differentiator, why aren't all every single last one of them why aren't all wordpress websites knocking it out of the park truth of the matter is and i'd venture to say 99 percent of the i'm just tossing out all these statistics right now but i'd venture to say 99 percent of all of the wordpress websites out there aren't generating a single lick of traffic or a single lead for their creator it's because it's not about what you have it's not about just merely having the technology at your disposal. It's not about what you have. It's about how you're using what you have. Your website's like a hammer. You've probably heard me use this analogy before because I like to come up with some incredibly outlandish analogies. Your website's like a hammer. It'd be foolish to think that just by owning a hammer, the house will build itself. Okay. I think anybody on this planet would be like, well, of course, Cirillo, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would just owning a hammer build a house for me? Exactly. Similarly, by just having a website that is, this kills me. I love this. Your, your website that so delicately showcases the air conditioning units on your roof with fancy drone footage. <laughs> okay. Just by having it will not just magically get you more business like a hammer. It's about what you do with the tool, with your website. It's about the experience and information you offer and how you offer it. It's about layout. It's about positioning. It's about design. It's about just so many different variables. Conversion rate optimization is crucial because it's the practice of observation followed by an educated hypothesis of the improvements needed. Like we observed this, therefore we are going to try this right that or that followed by testing with the appropriate amount of time something that we so rarely do right where it's like make that change and then three days later it's like ah crap scrap it that didn't work no it's about giving yourself enough time to run a test followed by iteration 
Okay. In short, conversion rate optimization is an activity that will never conclude because there's always going to be room for improvement. You can always do better than what you're doing, right? Conversion rate optimization can make a, a $499 a month dealer website perform better than most $2,000 websites, simply predicated upon the practice of observation followed by a hypothesis of the improvements needed, followed by testing with the appropriate amount of time, followed by more observation, followed by iteration, on and on and on. And the cycle goes in that merry-go-round, okay? It's also a specialized discipline, okay? It's don't, don't be fooled into believing that just anyone can do it. It's not another one of those products that can just be sold or upsold to you from your provider because they listen to this podcast or read a single article or even a paragraph of an article or a LinkedIn post and think it now fits within their wheelhouse. Like, oh man, anybody can do that. Okay. It's not something that's also, it's also not something that's going to bring you immediate results. Okay. Nothing of lasting importance happens overnight. Especially, can you imagine, you, you need to give yourself enough time to, to run tests. So therein, hopefully you're understanding, no, this, this can't happen overnight. It takes time, but that's okay because what's going to come from it is so vital. It's so crucial. It, it is a differentiator. It's the thing where your competitors are going to be like, what are they doing, man? They're on there. I can't believe they're on that. Tech. It's like we're in high school. Oh, man, they're on that tech. Oh, man, they're never going to see anything. We used to use that tech and, and we didn't get any results. It's like screw all of that that's all that's all uh useless irrelevant okay so where am i going with this the the narrative of of our industry okay it needs to shift from this current zero sum game of just switching is going to solve all the world's problems it's high time you dig in you research investigate determine a clear plan that maps to your definition of success as it pertains to your website i want to just run through a couple of things um, that's going to help you get more out of your web presence um, and, and just set the stage for you to be able to do some com- conversion optimization activities. Um, the first thing I would do is I would do an audit. So what am I looking for in this audit? First thing I'm looking for is how many Google Tag Managers do I have installed on my website? Um, you can download the Google Tag Manager uh, Chrome browser plugin extension or whatever they call them. and and Go to your website, click on that that extension, and it's going to actually tell you how many tags you have on your site. Not just Google Tag Manager tags, but also how many analytics tags and how many retargeting or remarketing tags and, and all those sorts of things. It's going to show you all of those Google tags that have been installed on your site. The first thing I would say is get rid of all of the tags that you don't need. How do you do that? Well, you look at what you own specifically like your universal analytics tag, your universal tag K, that that should be there. You don't need 75 different Google Analytics tags installed on your website uh, or codes. You just need the one. Look at how many Google Tag Managers you have installed. Get rid of all the ones you don't need. Uh, and the easiest way is which ones don't you control specifically. Log into your Google Tag Manager account. Log into your Google Analytics account. Log into your Google Ads and Facebook ads accounts and and make sure that the ones you control are on the site. If anybody wants to do work on your site, this is a good accountability mechanism. I don't want you to install your crap uh, unless of course they're doing something uh, 
proprietary. But as it pertains to analytics and Google tags and Facebook pixels and things of that nature, no, you can use ours. We're going to share access with of ours with you. Okay, makes sense. Um, so do a tag audit. The more tags you have on your site, like if you have five different Facebook pixels on your site, or if you have five different Google Analytics pixels, ultimately there could be quite a bit of jank going on, and that could be affecting your uh, reporting. So we we want to clean that up. Second thing is you need to make sure you have access. So if you don't have access to these things that you should ultimately own, hashtag free your data. It's your data. You need to own it. So make sure you own your Google Analytics account, your Google Tag Manager account, your Google Ads account, your Facebook Ads account, the pixels, etc. Everything needs to be owned by you. Okay. If you don't currently control it, get access immediately. From there, you need to make sure that you're setting up your Google Analytics properly. Okay. Uh, you need to have your goals set up. You need to have conversion uh, values set up. You need to make sure that it's set up in a way that you are, are able to accurately attribute your marketing activities to meaningful events or interactions on your site, like lead submissions or offline events or, or just, you know, for example, I know Brian Pash uh, recommends having um, uh, events on photo views, right? That helps us understand people that are looking at photos in your site, kind of helps us group these visitors into an engaged shopper bucket. Now, this is where I want to inject disclaimer two, number two. Okay, My purpose here is to whet your appetite, and it's to help you gain a desire to learn more about this on your own. You should not take this as a, this podcast episode, this single podcast episode as a master's certification that Michael Cirillo's masterclass in conversion. No, it's not that. Okay. I've taken courses to become a certified conversion rate optimization specialist. So you need to take this as a high level introduction. Okay. Uh, moving on. I've got a couple of more points before we close out episode 157. Third thing I want to do is I'm going to install something like Hotjar or Crazy Egg. I kind of like Hotjar a little bit better. So if you're going to look in that, definitely do that. Disclaimer number three, I am not affiliated with Hotjar. I'm not going to make anything off of this by recommending them. They're not paying me to say this. I'm just really, this is to help. Okay. Hotjar is cool because where Google Analytics and Tag Manager and things of that nature are going to give you quantitative data i.e. the numbers, um, Hotjar is going to give you qualitative data, behavior. So you get to now see how people are using your site, how they're interacting with elements on your site, calls to action, sliders, PS, get rid of sliders. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to be able to see those things. And so when you marry quantitative, the number data, to qualitative, the behavior data, now you can really start to form some educated opinions on what needs to be improved upon, which leads me to my last point closing out this episode. Resist the urge to overhaul. Overhauling is the worst thing you could possibly do, and here's why. When you overhaul, it's that much more challenging. Okay, It's, it's actually impossible and no we're not going to do the Catherine Hepburn thing here well the word impossible says I'm possible like no it's not that it is actually impossible to determine what element is contributing to success or failure 
Like if you change everything, how are you going to actually know what's making things work or what's breaking things? And that's kind of where we're at. When things quote unquote aren't working, we do an overhaul. And then we realize, holy crap, that overhaul is not working. So we do another overhaul and we do another overhaul. Basically, what we're sitting on here, folks, is 25 to 30 years of of compounded overhauls. And that needs to stop. So resist the urge to do another overhaul. First thing you want to do. And again, this is in the context of website performance only. We're not talking about you don't get along with your provider or you don't trust them, or they don't trust you, or maybe you guys just actually weren't a good fit to begin with and shouldn't have been working together at all. Okay, that's that's all. Those are other variables that you need to consider, in which case perhaps an overhaul is eminent. However, when said overhaul happens and you want to improve the performance of your site, or things are okay and you're like, ah, I really don't want to change the site, I just want to you know, tweak performance, When you, you, you what you need to do is isolate your tests you need to isolate your changes keep them small for example if after enough observation looking at quantitative and qualitative data if after this observation period you determine that you want to run a test and the test is going to be that you think changing the call the the primary call to action on your vdps uh, should change from get e price to ask a question That is the only change you will make. Then you need to give yourself enough time. And the way we determine time really is based on the amount of traffic your site's getting. So sites that get a ton of traffic, say like uh, 15,000 plus unique visits a month, it's going to be a shorter testing period because you'll get enough data to to help you make some good decisions. Um, For those that get less than that or smaller amounts, even like only 2000 visits a month or less. You're going to have to run the test for a longer period of time to give yourself enough data to work off of. Okay. We do this to increase what's called confidence rate. We want to increase the rate of confidence we have. And, and for me, I'm not comfortable going below a 95% confidence rate. And there's some fancy calculations on how we figure that out based on site traffic and other variables. Anyways, you need to have enough confidence, a high enough confidence rate. So running that test for a long enough period of time to have a conclusive or a confidence that the change you made rendered the result that you are now observing. But you can't do that if you do an o- if you just run an overhaul, okay? There's nothing worse than making a ton of changes and then having no clue how to track any of it or what the cause and effect was. Conversion rate optimization is super nerdy. It's super fun. <laughs> I feel like this is an after school special like one of those commercials like stay alert stay safe one of those right but but it's super high time that as an industry we start focusing our energy on the actions that will truly bring us the results we desire that's it for episode 157 i hope you enjoyed it if you have questions about optimizing your site to increase its performance or improve its performance hit me up with a dm over on the dealer playbook facebook page or send me an email michael at the dealer playbook.com i'd love to help you steer uh, just steer you in the right direction if i can so that you can end the constant switching the constant overhauling the anger the fury and start enjoying performance that meets your expectations <laughs>